0: And for me, my choice there was always restricting food, not eating, starving myself into numbness.
1: Hey there, welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we're just trying to make the world a little nicer. This is episode number 27. Can you believe it? 27 episodes. I feel like maybe I should uh, invest in like custom sound... Track or special effects sounds, things like that. Isn't that what like the the bigger podcasters do? They they like push a button it's like wing, zoink, zing, zing, all that kind of stuff. Like like Ferris Bueller's, you know, fart keyboard. I don't know. I I, I just these are big decisions for that big time podcasters have to make. <sighs> okay, this week we have the one and only Amelia Boone. Amelia Boone. She's one of the most accomplished athletes in the history of obstacle course racing. Now, admittedly, if you don't know what obstacle course racing is, that won't mean much to you, which is totally okay. Just know that she's a super badass, ranked as one of the 50 fittest women by Sports Illustrated. She's been featured on in, on, in on ESPN, Outside Magazine, Men's Health, Women's Running, just a whole bunch, a ton more. And she's an attorney for Apple, which is interesting if you're Interested in attorneys or Apple or 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 if you're interested in what it takes to pursue your real passion while holding down a day job Have you ever felt like you had to hide one from the other? That's a real thing for many of us We'll talk about that as well as an athlete and an attorney Amelia is a human being one with lots of feels and fears and struggles and stuff Stuff that until recently she didn't really deal with, at least not consistently. Stuff like an eating disorder that not only messed with her racing career, but just with life in general, self-esteem, personal relationships, the whole shebang. Eating disorders are not super nice at all, but facing them and then offering personal and public support for others who are doing the same or need encouragement to do so, that's really super duper nice. And we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about a, um, uh, a crazy fitness contra- contrap- contraption contraption that makes Jazzercise look uh, really cool by comparison. I don't know. I don't want to give it away. You probably already know what it is. I mean, there's only one crazy fitness contraption out there that is sh- shockingly awkward, but rad because I want them to sponsor this show someday. So it's rad. It's a rad piece of exercise gear. It looks so cool. Oh, Amelia also comes clean about a hidden fetish you might not know about. One that's closely associated with the nearly obscure Charles Elmer Hires. You heard of him? Hmm? Charles Elmer Hires? Yeah, probably not. And there's one more important name I forgot to drop in the podcast so I'm gonna do it right now Keith Allen Keith Allen I love you all right turn off everything else tune out the rest of the world and drop into nice work with Amelia Boone oh um and I'm Todd brilliant if if you're if you're wondering you probably you probably weren't wondering were you It's, it's cool Amelia Boone hello thanks for being on nice work how are you
0: I am fantastic, I'm super nice, how are you?
1: I'm working on it. Yeah? <laughs> I'm working on it, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty nice. I'm uh, I'm fatigued. And you know, it's kinda hard to be nice when you're tired. I think that's yeah. the, that's a real challenge. You know someone's yes. really nice when, after they've spent 48 hours moving and packing a whole household and then driving eight hours and not getting sleep, and the next morning, if they're still nice, that's yeah. a super nice person.
0: Yeah, um, I mean. That's me,
1: and I don't think I passed that test.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I moved, or I did the drive from Colorado to California three times in six weeks. And Oof. I can tell you that it, it was definitely, it was not so nice the few days after doing that. And I also moved like three times within a few months. That was also not so nice, but hey.
1: So you've just moved to Golden, Colorado, right? Where were yes. you before, where, uh, before your, your last move?
0: I was in San Jose, California.
1: So Silicon Valley to Golden, Colorado is a pretty significant shift. Uh, what do you What do you miss most and what do you love?
0: Uh, to be totally honest, I don't really miss that much about the Bay Area, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry, everybody in the Bay Area. I do, well, okay, I do miss that the weather year round is always fantastic. Like for running, you got on trails, like it's never going to be super hot. It's never going to be super cold. It's just nice you know you never have to worry about that kind of thing beyond that I mean I guess I just say like, I struggled to find a home in Silicon Valley to be honest I didn't really jive with all the tech people so I definitely feel like moving out to Colorado like these are more of my my folk. Um, and I like that. It feels like home. Like, every time I've moved, I've always second-guessed myself and said, oh, should I actually do this? Like, what if I made an awful mistake? Even when I moved from Chicago to California, I was like, ah, oh, maybe I am miss Chicago. At this point, I'm like, "Nah, no, this was the right move.
1: So but what is, like, we think of Colorado. We think Denver. We think yeah. uh, Boulder. I think Colorado Springs because I have a lot of family there. So Golden, what is what is Golden? What's the town all about?
0: Uh, so have you heard of the most wonderful microbrew in the entire world called Coors? Um, Coors, yeah, I have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah. So Coors. Oh, that's right.
1: It's from Golden, Colorado. God, yeah. years of commercials, and I didn't pick that up. Yeah, Coors.
0: No, it's okay. Everybody here likes to pretend that we do not have the Coors plant here because it, um, it smells and you can um, smell it. You can smell it, but no. Um, Golden is fantastic. Golden's about thirty minutes west, directly west of Denver, and about thirty minutes south of Boulder. It's a nice area where I can be close to all my athlete friends in Boulder, but still have some separation from them. Um, and we're right there along the Front Range. Uh, so it's nice. I really, really like enjoy it. I love it so much.
1: West, that's, that's left on the map, right?
0: That is left West. on the map. Right,
1: right. Yes. right. Okay. So <laughs> about 30 minutes outside of Denver, once I took a drive on whatever highway goes past the stadium that the Broncos play in, Yes. I don't know what that rings, but anyway, and it goes up and in the mountains, and there's Sunny. a Christmas town there. There is a town there that gets completely done. They bring in reindeer. They they sort of cosplay as yeah, Christmas. All of the shops are old timey Christmas stuff. Yeah, and no, no, is this, for real. Is this year round? Seventy. Highway seventy. No. Well, no, that would be weird. It's weird <laughs> enough already to have like these dirty brown reindeer in a small pen in the middle right. of the road right um not happy making but uh yeah look up christmas town it's coming up pretty soon and, all right
0: uh, we'll see if, if it you're into
1: ornaments year. are you into christmas ornaments
0: no uh, no can't say
1: yeah that. then there might not be anything there for you because it is the town of christmas ornaments <laughs> good to know mm-hmm. just throwing out my colorado knowledge so you're working remotely for Apple as an attorney, yeah. right? Yeah. Did, did COVID open up that move for you or were you already no. planning that?
0: So the, it was actually the weirdest, fortuitous timing. Um, they, it, they had approved the move back in like early January. Um, but I had decided that I didn't want to, or I wanted to wait out the winter and then move when the weather got better here. So I was like, okay, I'll move in May. And then we pretty much, you know, shut down, we shut down really early in California, So I was concerned about being the only attorney kind of remote. The idea was that I would travel back once a month um, and spend, you know, several days in Cupertino every month. But then COVID hit and now everyone's remote. So it's actually made the transition pretty easy. Uh, So, yeah, I was just kind of the world coming together at a weird time
1: for sure. Yay, COVID. <laughs>
0: yeah. no, no one roots on COVID, but no. hey. Yeah.
1: I want to unpack a little bit to give some context and background to listeners about you. Yeah. Yes. And I read this somewhere. It was probably on Wikipedia. It says that <laughs> as one of the most... <laughs> you know, I don't need to cite my sources. Great. Right. You know, cite your sources. I'm so tired of that. Uh, as one of the most accomplished OCR athletes in the history of the sport... Amelia has won both the Spartan Race World Championship, 2013, and World's Toughest mutter three times, 2012, 14, and 15. Death Race winner in 2014, she won the WTM title eight weeks after major knee surgery. And this is from a different article. If I did the research right, you've also won the Barkley Marathon five times consecutively. Is that right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Totally, consecutively. I've been the only female finisher five times, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. In my research, sometimes I struggle with it. You know, I'm up late at night and I not right. get it all right, so I ask the guest to, just to validate it. So five-time Barkley finisher. But to unpack a little of that, no, that's not true. First, you guys, OCR, the acronym stands for Obstacle Course Racing. Mm-hmm. A Spartan race, which Amelia dominated, is an obstacle course race. And so you kind of run between like three and maybe around 15 miles, depending on the type of race, but you also swim and jump and dive and climb and you do crazy obstacles. Uh, that's pretty much Spartan world's toughest mudder is a 24 hour version of this where winners like Amelia end up running hundred miles as well as taking 50 foot cliff dives and getting electrocuted and things like that. It's, it's uh, very challenging physically. It's grueling. I've done a few not good at it, but it was kind of fun. Are your OCR days behind you completely, or is the door open for that?
0: I wouldn't say behind me completely. Uh, I actually was planning this year was to kind of come back to it and do Mm -hmm. like more of the Spartan Race Ultra series. You know, they were putting on a series that was all the 30 miles of Spartan races. Um, So I was actually super jazzed about that. And then clearly COVID destroyed all of that. So never say never. I mean, it's never like my, it's not my big focus anymore. I think when you do something for so long, eventually I just, my, the things that make me tick is always finding something that's kind of a new challenge. And so it's like, well, okay, I've done the obstacle racing thing. What else, right. What? where else can I go with that? Um, but it has such a special place in my heart. Like I will always go back to world's toughest Mutter just because it's, like, it's where I started, you know? And so you have, I'm like a very sentimental person. Uh, a lot of feels about it, for sure.
1: It's an amazing race. I want to talk to you about it a little bit more later, World Stuff. Yeah. But you're doing trail running now. A lot of trail running. Yeah. Running on Yeah. That's Colorado. Yeah. Colorado's all trails, right? Yes, exactly. Don't even have roads in Colorado. <laughs> no. Highway 70 is just a big, wide trail up the mountain.
0: It pretty much, yes. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. You mentioned in a recent podcast way better podcast than this one off the couch they used to try to hide your competitive racing career from your day job when you were working at a large law firm that really struck a chord with me because because it's just so sad you know you said you said these companies try to own your whole life yeah and that's so true you know it's so true but there's really no amount of money that's a fair trade for our private lives or our personal time it's an unequal exchange but a lot of a lot of us either make that trade now or have it at some point how was that for you kind of freeing yourself from that from the fear oh. of that
0: I mean it was it was phenomenal I mean it it, it definitely I think it's one of those things that where I realize like how much easier it is to not try and hide things in life. Because um, mm-hmm. don't worry, I've hidden. I like for many years, I hid a lot of my life because I was super afraid of judgment. Um, you know, I was I was afraid of what other people would think, and so just to be able to be upfront. I remember when I interviewed with Apple, and I was like, "You guys know what I do in my extracurriculars, correct?" And they're like, "Yep." And, and it was definitely just like a weight off of my, like a weight off of me to be able to be like, okay, yeah, I can talk about racing and things like that. And, and that's not to say, I mean, at the law firm, they definitely knew about it, but I was always antsy that at some point it would be something that like, okay, no, no, like you can't do this anymore. Or that it would be seen that I wasn't taking my career as an attorney seriously because I had outside interests, which is really perverse. And I think just says a lot about the state of our, <laughs> the state of America and the fact that we're so afraid with work to be like, oh, we have things outside of work and that's okay. And actually that should be celebrated. Within the, the first month that I was at Apple, I um, went, so I started in October and then I went to World's Tough Matter in 2015. Um, so I was only there for a month and I had no vacation time, but they let me take a few days off. And I ended up, Winning. That was the third time I won World's Toughest Mutter. And I remember coming back and they had, they like threw a party for me for winning. And I was like, whoa. Oh, that's so great. What is going on here? I didn't know that this is how work is supposed to be. Uh, But yeah, it was great.
1: Wow. Was Tim Cook there? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I wish. I think he had, like, something <laughs> a little bit more important that day.
1: Uh, whatever. His loss. Right. Uh, no, it is such an important thing. I- I've felt that before. i felt that in the past when I had corporate work and I I wouldn't talk about, like, the screenplay that I was writing. I, I certainly yeah. wouldn't talk about the Super Nice Club, you know. Right. I-, I felt that the there's sometimes in the corporate world, there's a c- b- hyper-competitiveness. I said it. Yes. <laughs> among the people working there and they feel they can feel like if you have something else going on you're not as committed as they are right right and that just sucks if that's happening to you listener if you're out there and you're feeling like you can't expose your passion to your workplace i want to hear about it will you message me message the super nice club i want to i want to dive into that a little bit with you and and have a conversation around that see if we can't work something out let me let me try to help you through that (laughs) And if I can't, Amelia will. Don't worry. Yes. I'll pass it on to her, and, and it'll all get <laughs> taken care of. Uh, another fear, shared by every athlete, is the fear of injury. Yeah. Especially if you don't have health insurance. You've had your share of injuries. What are the, what are they? just like a recap of the of the big ones? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> what <laughs> are the okay? I let's see. yeah, let's the yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's see. In 2016, I ended up with a femoral stress fracture. Um, so I broke my. Broke my femur um, by running too much, and then followed shortly after that by a sacral stress fracture. Ended up with his second metatarsal fracture, calcaneal stress, so I'd broken a lot of bones. So it was about from like 2016 through 2019, I was just like a revolving door of breaking bones, uh, which is pretty uh, um, annoying, but also alarming as an athlete. Clearly shows that there is something wrong there. But it, it definitely, um, I got really good at crutches. That was the highlight of it, for sure.
1: <laughs> it was like watching your well you are you know um one of my favorite athletes but when you're watching when you have like a favorite basketball player yeah and they keep going down <laughs> again and again it's just oh it gets really depressing you know if you really right. do like that athlete i don't know yeah, for like a Marshall lynch or something yeah you know,
0: or who's it, the chicago bulls Derek. uh Oh, why am I? Oh, Derek not? Rose when Derek, Derek Rose, Rose kept going down. I'm like, God, what a yeah. talent,
1: and can he fulfill that talent? We don't know. It's so much worse when they're young, right? Yes, and yeah. they haven't done anything yet. With you, I'm like, she's already won three WTM, two, <laughs> you know. It's fine, you know. She's already, right. she's already owning the space. No, it was, it was a bummer to watch the injuries happen to you.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think for me, I also, I knew inside, I knew why they were happening, and that was the worst part, is that I, I knew what was going on, and I was like, yeah, sorry, everyone, I'm injured again, and I'm like, oh, people must think I'm made of glass, you know, so right, that was kind of, like, the hard part about it all.
1: Well, I wanted to ask you, of course, well, actually, originally, originally I wanted to ask you about your, what's your biggest lesson of 2020 so far, <laughs> you know, because it's just been a hell of a year for all of us. Oh, but yeah. then... Then I came across your latest blog post. Mm-hmm. I think it's your latest, unless you've posted yeah. something since. No. Um, and it just gives such a great way to get right into uh, some of the real meat of this. So I'm just gonna read the intro, the Instagram version, because there's a different version on Instagram than on your on your blog. Yeah, you, gotta, you of gotta character you, limit.
0: Right, yeah. exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, and then you react and fill in the blanks for those who don't know you. Okay. I'm not gonna try to do your voice though. I'm just yeah, gonna that'd read it. My weird. voice just it's, it's me. Good. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's been a year since I was discharged from intensive eating disorder treatment. A year since I hit publish on a blog where I opened up about a battle I'd been waging for 20 years. A year since I felt like I got a new lease on life. A year since I finally felt like I could be me, all of me. And what a year it's been. I wish I could say it's been all filled with sunshine and puppies and unicorns farting rainbows. At some points, it has been. At other points, it's been some of the hardest moments in my life. Surprisingly, food has been the easy part. The hard part has been the stuff I didn't expect, the things that happen when you take away your trusted coping mechanism that served you for so long. But for all the hard stuff, I remind myself that for the first time in so many years, I've actually been living and not just existing. And I know more than anything, it's worth it. That's your cue. Yeah, just, that, yeah. That, was a, that
0: was that was yeah, that was, was a that very was, good that, read. I was just I was taking in the read of that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's no, been a hell of a year. Let's it, let's it talk has, about that. It you know so I yes uh, for for your listeners I um, let's see I was diagnosed with an eating disorder when I was sixteen, and I went through various treatments when I was younger in high school and college. And then I kind of just decided, "Mm, okay, I'm better. I'm over this, uh, when I was in my mid twenties and then, but kind of never really dealt with it. And it was still there. It was definitely there and got worse and worse and things started happening. I started breaking bones and I started to have to look at myself and realize it's probably because I wasn't feeding myself appropriately. So I, when I was last year at this time, I decided to go back into treatment and, um, Like, took a leave of absence from work and spent three months in eating disorder treatment and uh, then opened up and talked about it. And it's been an interesting year for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think that talking about it was probably one of the best things, best decisions I ever made um, in terms of strengthening my own recovery and in terms of being able to connect with other people. Um, But I also learned that life gets, like, infinitely harder when you don't have a coping mechanism, like I talked about. And I think that for anyone who's ever dealt with addiction, um, you know, anyone who's have a history of alcoholism, you understand it's so easy to return to the thing that like numbs you and help enables you to get through the day. And for me, my choice there was always restricting food, not eating, starving myself into numbness. And this entire past year, like, not doing that, you know, following my meal plan, like doing everything that I should be doing in recovery. And then you have all these feelings come up and you don't know how to manage them because you, all of your tool, that like your old toolkit is no longer there. So you I kind of have to like build a new one, um, which, which I was doing and have been doing, but it still like takes a lot of practice, um, you know, and it's, it's not necessarily always the easiest thing. Uh, to that like has not to be
1: part of the, the treatment, right? The heart of that. Yeah.
0: Oh absolutely. Yeah, and and recognizing, you know, like what to do in those situations. I think the hard part though was with COVID is a lot of the things those tools that I was given or the things that I needed to do for recovery were kind of like restricted because of because of COVID restrictions, because like so, I I like I would force myself to go out to eat a lot and eat with other people and be with friends and not isolate. Whereas then we're being told shelter in place and you can't go to restaurants and there's no food in the grocery stores and you're not allowed to be around other people. And um, so dealing with all that all as it came up, without being able, to, you know, without then relapsing into the eating disorder was definitely hard for sure.
1: Really doing it alone so you couldn't you didn't really have access to your support community
0: no you know ouch yeah and it's like you had I had zoom therapy sessions still but it's it's just not it's not the same anyone who's ever been to I used to go to like AA meetings a fair amount because I just always found the community and the support very very helpful even though I even though it's like a different form of Addiction, I suppose. But like even that, you know, I think that people, like when you don't, you can't, don't have that in person support, it's just so hard. And I really kind of learned that I'm, I'm not alone in that. A lot of people were really, really going through the skids uh, with all of this.
1: So a lot of people are opening up to you now about their disorders, other racers, mm-hmm. other people, when they find this out about you. And so you're finding, I'm imagining that you're being of service. How, How rewarding is that? And and how challenging is it? I would think that maybe you could very easily find yourself taking on too much.
0: Yeah, I think I've had to be kind of mindful about how and when I help. Sometimes it is so cliche, but it's like that entire metaphor of putting on your own oxygen mask first before you help others. I've also kind of taken this motto that kind of have to check in with where I'm feeling every single day. I said something once, it's like, there's a time to educate, there's a time to advocate, and there's a time to get the fuck out. So it's whether or not I'm in a place at that moment where I feel like I can help others. And learning that I don't have to help everyone or I don't have to respond to everyone that reaches out to me. And that's hard for me because I do like helping, and so many other people have helped me along the way. Right, And I also have to be very cognizant of the fact that to tell people like, hey, look, I'm not recovered and to try and not be a hero and pretend that I have all the solutions and all the answers. Cause I definitely do not. Um, I'm just bumbling around trying to figure this out. And in previous years or like previous times when I, you know, attempted recovery, I always tried to like, say I am recovered and I have learned all of this and here's how I can help you and now I'm just like nope I have zero idea what I'm doing I'm just trying to figure it out but hey if you want to follow along for the ride I'll be there for you as well
1: <laughs> yeah that's the best you can do I know it's just I, I was reminded of um, a dear friend of mine and a, actually a former podcast guest Ann Faith Nichols she's a pretty well-known painter successful painter mm-hmm. and she was born with a heart condition you know they call it like a backwards heart Yeah, and the more well-known she became, and because she puts these these different elements of her heart condition into her paintings, you know, symbolically, the more people would come up to her and talk about it because they had the same condition, and she was commenting how sometimes she just feels like, I just don't have time to have that conversation, or I don't have the, the I'm not in that space, you know, I'm at my show, and I just, I feel so terrible sort of not having that time and space for people, but, you know, when they're coming at you a lot, it, it can be quite a burden.
0: You know, to be completely honest, it helps. I think a lot of people ask me, like, why? Like, why do you do this? Why do you talk about it? And there is also actually like a very selfish aspect to it in that it helps me to have, to be able to connect and to see other people who are also going through this and to like build my own support network. So as much as it is to like, I like to be there for others. It also is in a way then also returns the favor to myself.
1: Now, this isn't anything that I've researched, unlike you know, the rest of the podcast. But I've had the feeling when I was just dabbling within the OCR community for a couple of years that there was an outsized percentage of competitors who you know, were exercise addicts. And by addict, I mm-hmm. mean just that, people who are substituting exercise, training, racing to help overcome uh, or be a coping mechanism for more debilitating addiction. Right. right? So like a positive passion replacing a negative one. Right. Um, do you ever, do you see that? Have you seen that? Or was that just my sort of like, ah, these people are exercise harder than I do and they make me feel bad. So I'm just going to, you know, call them addicts.
0: No, I actually think, I think in any type of endurance sport, it is definitely true, you know? Um, and I think I've talked to Rich Roll about this and he's talked about it himself too, because people call, people call him out. Yeah. They call him out. They're like, did you really just replace your alcoholism addiction with endurance sport addiction? And he's completely honest, is like, maybe, but it always is kind of like, well, okay, well, what's like the lesser, what's the lesser evil there? Um, I think it is harder with an eating disorder, though, when when it because the exercise piece can be intertwined with the food piece. Um, So it's a little bit more tricky than people are like, oh, yeah, it's not bad that, you know, you go run 100 miles now instead of, you know, drinking yourself to death. But it's it's a little bit tougher when when your previous vice was, you know, starving yourself.
1: So, yeah. Maybe this is not a good segue. Maybe it's... (laughs) It's cool.
0: We'll go with it. it. it, um,
1: No, I mean, I might be being horribly insensitive to ask you this, you know, just with the whole eating disorder thing. But uh, do you trust people who don't love root beer floats? Uh, No. No. So is it... Yeah, I don't either. Is it okay, you think, for us to judge them harshly?
0: I Yes, I will judge people harshly if they do not love root beer floats and also if they eat,
1: like, a fake ice cream. So I judge people harshly for that, too. You mean, like, the non-dairy fake ice cream or, like, something they oh, have no, like, plastic?
0: You know, like, that, like the halo top, you know, the stuff that's oh. made out of all that fiber that gives you horrible yeah. gas, yeah. and people convince themselves that they really like it and that I it's don't. a perfect substitute for, like, real ice cream like Jenny's or you know, by, uh, what's the best and what's the best, uh, like three twins buy right, you know, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Three twins is gone now.
0: I heard. Yeah. I, yeah. I heard that. That's so sad. The
1: death of an ice cream empire. I okay, don't... good. I'm glad that we weren't sensitive about that. Cause I was kind of wondering if that would be sort of like rhapsodizing about single malt whiskeys with an <laughs> alcoholic or something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm here to learn. I just,
0: no, um... no, no, no. Like one of the, one of the biggest, myths or like misconceptions about people with eating disorders is that they don't like food to be, and I won't make a, I'm, well, I am going to make a total gross generalization right now. Great. I would Super say, nice yeah, I would say the vast majority of people with eating disorders, we love food. It's just not allowing yourself to have it, which actually probably makes you love food even more. Um, so that's why I'm like, people are like, how can you like talk about food and things like that? I'm like, well, because like every other person, I do like food.
1: (laughs) So So, then what, what, what is your favorite root beer? That's, that's all.
0: Oh, so actually during, during COVID, I actually like decided to try all the major ones and figure out which one was the best. Well, and then, so we'll just take like the big three there's mug, there's mm-hmm. barks and then there's a and w and so we'll we'll put all the small ones aside i actually have to say i am a mug fan i'm a mm-hmm. mug root beer fan mug is the sure. best of those three of and the i've three. done
1: blind tastings
0: yes okay um,
1: glad you agree my, my favorite all time though is sprecker
0: yes I going oh my yeah. oh my god i haven't had sprecker forever but when i lived in chicago that was like the best. But I don't think I can get it out here. I could. I, did you ever you find it in California? Yeah,
1: they, they, starting about maybe 10 years ago, they started, well, they didn't, that company didn't export their beer out west because I think it's unpasteurized or something like that. Do you pasteurize oh. beer? I don't uh. know anything about beer. Um, but their root beers are available and they have like a dreamsicle orange thing and a green, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, look it up, order it, Sprecher. Sprecher and then Winehards for me.
0: Oh yeah, Uh, that's another one. I think
1: that both Sprecher and Weinhard's—I may be uh, wrong—are honey sweetened as well, which is it gives them a little bit of a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I you didn't. I I mean, this is really going to be a podcast about root beer. Clearly. Yeah, I didn't let you know, but I'm letting you know now. (sighs) I'll take it. Yeah, no mug, uh, go, f- go for the Sprecher. A super nice club, you know, we can. We usually send out like a hat or a shirt or a hoodie or something to our guests yeah. as a thank you, but if you want it to be a six-pack of Sprecher... There we go. Yeah, okay, done. Done <laughs> So you and my dear friend Hans Bruner, hi, Hans. Yeah. He is absolutely one of the most interesting people I know. You're the only ones I know who own ellipticos. <laughs> Right. You just and don't I didn't know enough know, you don't know the, enough think, cool people, I guess. I think so. not. And you love yours. He loves his. He's wrecked his. He's tried Hans, yeah. you tried to get me to come out and, and ride those with you. I have to tell you, when you see someone riding an elliptic you see someone who clearly doesn't care what people think. <laughs> you see someone who is supremely self confident. And that's Hans. Yeah. I mean, you're way into them. Should I get
0: one? Ah, they're amazing. I fully, as long as you're okay with people giving you weird looks, uh, which I clearly don't care. I I moved to a new city and was like, man, I'm never going to have friends because I'm riding this thing.
1: No, I'm kidding. Um, So Elliptico is like a stand-up bike with sort of paddles for your feet, and you just kind of walk up and down, and it propels it forward, and it's super ungain. You know, it kind of, when you first see one, you think, oh, that person probably was way into... um, uh, come on. What are the stand-up things that Dean Kamen invented? Oh, segways? Uh, segways. Yeah. you kind of look like, oh, is there going to be like an elliptical tour coming around the corner? <laughs> but it sounds like you can go really fast on these things.
0: You can. I mean, you can't go as fast as a bike um, because they are like 45 pounds. So you're... Mm-hmm. you're oh, wow. Fi- you're fi- they're big. They're, I don't know. even think I can lift
1: 45 pounds. <laughs>
0: <can> start lifting <laughs> weights. It's pretty much an elliptical that you would find mm-hmm. in a gym except you can go outside and go up mountains, which is super cool. So, I mean, it's for me, it's great tr- cross-training for running because mm-hmm. it's about as close as you can get to running, you know, without the impact. And given my injury history that we talked about, that's, like, super helpful for me. So and
1: I am a big long fan. You're taking long-distance rides, aren't you? You're yeah, long distance rides are not you you are going long way do on like, these things. Yeah,
0: I like, you know, I'll do, like, 30-ish miles or so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a long way. Yeah. Okay, elliptical. Hans, you were right. They are cool. That, this is what I wanted to say. I want to say, Hans, right. ellipticos are cool. And next time I'm up at Sonoma County, if you still have two, I promise I will go on a ride.
0: There you go. Either, there. Well, you know, they're actually. So I had a friend who's injured who wanted to try it. She like it took. She couldn't figure out how to how like she was too scared to get on it and get going. It actually takes a little bit to like l- get comfortable with it because you're like super high up off the ground and things like that. So. Hmm. You know, you may, you may just have to put on your big boy pants and, um, and learn how to do it. So.
1: I'll I'll get what is, they don't make tandems?
0: (laughs) Oh my God. That would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to float that idea to them.
1: Yes. Make a tandem. It'll weigh 200 pounds. Yes. So here's something you won't remember. Uh, in, in 2015 or maybe it was 2016 Tough Mudder, world's toughest mudder, Vegas. Yes. Uh, I came across you no you came across me because let's be honest, you're passing me during a massive sandstorm around three. Okay. Remember that sandstorm?
0: Oh yeah. That oh, yeah.
1: huge sixty mile yeah. an hour winds and obstacles were falling over and it was incredible. Anyway, I was all cramped up big time. I would never run a race like remotely like that before. Right. Um and like every every leg muscle was cramped. I was like pogoing it, and we were at this ten foot wall, and there's a rope, and the mm-hmm. rope was all wet and it was super slippery and cold, and there was a sandstorm, and I just wasn't putting out a lot of energy at that point in the race. Right. But because you were there, I hustled my ass up over that wall. <laughs> and then as I was throwing my leg over, you ever get that thing where you're throwing a leg over a wall and it cramps up again? Oh yeah. Like It was already cramped, and somehow it cramped up even more. But I just totally didn't let on, you know, I just dropped down and we ran side by side mm-hmm. um, before you disappeared like into zero visibility. But in my mind, I was like going to run with you for like a mile or two. Clearly. I lasted about 50 yards. <laughs> <laughs> about 50 <laughs> yards. I was just trudging. Um, and you won that race. Yes. That Sam might have been Thormier. your third one. Yeah. Was that your third
0: uh, one? No, that was second. Yeah. That, that was, was the second, second one. Year. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I didn't even make 50 miles. But. For those listening, that might sound like a lot of miles, 50 miles, but like anyone, anyone can put in 50 miles in 24 hours in these races if you just ignore the hurt yes. and keep moving forward. I'm not very physically fit, but I am incredibly stubborn. And so you can just stubborn your way, as long as you're not hurting yourself and you know your body well enough to know that something isn't ripping like right. inside your knee yeah. and you just, you know, it's just cramps. You're like, yeah, you know, whatever. But you put in, what'd you do that year? 90 miles?
0: Uh, that no, that was seventy-five sandstorm. Okay. Sandstorm. That, oh, right, down. the
1: sandstorm kind of like yeah. slowed everybody down, right? But your your best year was one hundred and sixty miles or something like that.
0: Yeah, two hundred and eighty.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was incredible. Um, the first one I went to was in New Jersey. You and Pack were the the. Um, oh yeah. The champs. I really like that guy. Yeah. What happened to him? Is he still out there? Uh,
0: you know, we tried to, we did a, a World Service Mutter uh, champion podcast a few months ago with Matt Davis. And we tried, we had everyone on there except Pac. We couldn't, we couldn't track him down. So I hope he's okay. I'm not off very small percentage. He's listening to this. We love okay. you. Hey.
1: hey, come on, small percentage. What are you talking about? This podcast has bigger reach than Tim Ferriss. Um.
0: <clears throat> Physically or? <laughs> I've got big numbers. Come on.
1: Um, so, you guys, also in these races, what I didn't mention before, or maybe I did, is they have electrocution. You can get zapped in these races. So, not only are you running through the mud and jumping into the water, but uh it's it's not fun. I, I put up a cattle fence before when I was like <laughs> fifteen. Yeah. And I kind of got addicted to the zapping. I would just sort of Ooh. touch it repeatedly because they're not always on. It's like zzz, zzz, yeah. zzz there's a pulse, right? And I would just like try to time it and zap and I just I mean I, I enjoyed the feeling and it's the same thing that they have at at, at Tough Mudders. And yet I still feared it at wtm i still feared getting shocked um, i was only shocked one time and you were there again it was some ring lift thing do you remember oh that? yeah like yeah you had operation. to put a metal operation operation yeah you got to put this damn thing in there and your hands are wet and like I, and you had zero issues with it you're like hey, big bonk and i like yelped and cursed and dropped the thing was Like, ah, this fucking rah. um it sucked because it was embarrassing because you're standing right next to me like somebody i know <laughs> and it hurt
0: yeah oh yeah, yeah. it hurts my
1: last race, haven't run again. Would you believe me if I told you that I ran a Spartan race on mushrooms?
0: Uh, I actually would believe you, 110%. So.
1: I did not. Oh. I just, yeah, I was curious kind of what kind of person I am in your eyes.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I did meet you through Scott Keneally, so.
1: This is true, this is true. What does that say about you, Scott? Says that you have colorful friends.
0: He did warn me, he was like, my friend Todd wants to be friends. He's really weird. And I was like, coming from Scott Keneally, that's very scary. So,
1: kidding. I love you, Scott. That's a whole different, Scott's kinks are different than mine. (laughs) You know, I think they're complimentary, right, Scott? Yeah, Yeah. they're, they're definitely complimentary. Real quick, shout out to the sponsors of the Super Nice Club. You guys, I wanna thank you, Nike, Volvo, Adidas, Amazon. Oh, Apple. you have
0: you have both Nike, or you have both Nike yeah, and yeah, 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 Adidas. Yeah. Oh, Coca Cola,
1: McDonald's, um, okay. and uh, got you can see this. This is my list of sponsors. It takes a long time, but forget all those sponsors. The sponsor that really matters is the members of the Super Nice Club. You guys are the real sponsors of the show. We don't take any money from any of those brands. They just need our help, so I mentioned them. You guys, just by pushing this idea of being a little bit nicer in the world, it's so deeply appreciated that your members, Amelia's. Member of the Super Nice Club, jumped to mm-hmm. in just by being on the podcast. Um, no, actually, you were a really early supporter. Super yes. appreciative of that. You were a really early supporter. You were the one member, I think, for about six months. <laughs> that was the one.
0: Uh- <laughs> uh, I have a yeah. I have a big gold and black Super Nice sticker on my uh, on my coffee mug. I drink out nice. of every day. Super nice, nice every morning when I start. Yeah.
1: Just a little bit of a reminder. Yeah. Um, well, I'm really glad to hear that and honored. One thing is going back to your your. Um, blog is the word yes you're also a hell of a writer and i know you must consider sometimes doing more writing have you ever considered any kind of career move and i don't mean writing about yourself your memoir <laughs> stuff which you're great at but i think if you stepped back and fictionalized your journeys a little bit you yeah. know weave your experiences into sort of a fictional narrative embedded with your truths maybe start with some some short stories i think you'd really kick ass at it
0: oh well thank you i, really I do i love writing um I've written since I was little. Like I actually wrote a book when I was like six um, and I thought oh. it was going to be published. It definitely wasn't, but I still have it. Uh, too late. <laughs> never too late. I'm sure it would be a bestseller now. Uh, I, I mean, my, my, my bucket list goal is to write a book um, and it's just kind of figuring out exactly what it is that I want to write. But I, you know, my hat is off to writers who do it as a career because it seems very tough. Like if if for me, like I can't write with a forced deadline, for instance, I have to kind of it has to kind of come to me um, and I have to just be inspired by it. And so there will be stretches where I will go for months without writing anything. And then other times when I'll write like copious amounts within a few weeks. So it's uh, one of those things that I'll, I'll, I'll consider, but for now I just do my contract lawyer writing, you know, which is
1: much less uh, inspired,
0: but still writing.
1: <laughs> you don't want to fictionalize any of that.
0: No, no, definitely not. Okay. No.
1: So you're agreeing then? I'm glad I'm glad of this. You're agreeing to write just one short story, just to try one. Sure, let's That's do great. it. Okay, do it. Do a short story. I think it's a great it's a fiction great process.
0: Fiction is hard. F- I, my hat is no, off to fiction writers.
1: Oh, just do what- do what Scott does. You know, when he does quote-unquote fiction, he just writes about himself and then changes the character's name. That is very true. Right? Yes. And then it's fiction. Yeah. Yep. So just do that. You know, pull that move. Right. And it pulls it, it, it. does pull you back just enough to where you're now free to embellish a little bit. Right. You're free to make it things a little bit different. Like, you know, you, you can sort of do revisionist history on your own life story. Yeah. You know, through that character. I, right. I don't know. Not to uh, try to talk you out of working for apple because i'm sure they pay terribly but <laughs> i'd like to see you do some writing is all i'm saying this is totally out of context for the conversation i should have inserted this earlier but there's a term that i saw that you used which i liked and i don't know you know if it's yours where you got it but it's called life reps yeah and it has to do with learning from help me out patterns of behavior yeah right and, and like usually destructive patterns of behavior and getting better with each repeat or relapse, something mm-hmm. like that. Talk about that. I found it really interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I can't remember where I came up with the life wraps or really what, what spurred me in that. It might have been through conversations with my therapist, but it is really just, it's a principle that I apply to every time you go through an uncomfortable situation, um, or you move through uncomfortable feelings, or you make a mistake. It's really just to me, I call it a life rep. And each time you do it, it can become a little bit easier. So for me, like with anxiety around stuff, it's just like, it's another life rep. It's just moving through that, um, doing it again and again, instead of trying to look at something like, oh, that was a mistake. I screwed up. I need to do better next time, you know, and kind of like beating yourself up over things. Instead, it's like, nope, that's just another one under the belt. Because, you know, the first time you try something, you're going to for the most part, going to be really shitty at it. Um, And so it's kind of one of those things that instead, it's giving yourself grace, and knowing that the more you do it, the more automatic it will become, like you'll learn from it. um, Not so much being like, I need to fix that. And I need to change that type of vibe.
1: Yeah, it's great. And you also frame it with the word reps in a way that is very compatible with, you know, your athletic training yep. and background, right? Yeah. So just framing it, your word choice there is great because it, it helps. I just think this is good for everybody, whether or not you're an athlete or not. But if you are, these life reps to, to get better with each one. And as you just said, Amelia, which is so important, giving yourself the grace mm-hmm. to, to not be perfect, to fail, to relapse, because we can be so hard on ourselves when we relapse. Oh it's yeah. It's so hard that it sets you back far more than the actual original relapse does.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm I mean, speaking
1: with experience here. Yeah. Um so life reps. Do you do you, on your blog, which we'll link to, do you have a, a piece just on those?
0: I don't. That's I don't maybe that's like that. what I no. that, maybe that's what I should write about.
1: You know. But don't fictionalize that one. That's no, not no, for no. fictionalizing. Cause Cause I, I yeah, a lot. That.
0: A lot of people. A lot of people actually latched on to that life reps thing, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I mean, because it was something that I just kind of talk about all the time, but I never really, you know, gave much thought to. I'm like, no, that's actually a re- great concept, to be honest. So
1: well done, Amelia. <laughs> I'm
0: so smart. I'm so smart.
1: <laughs> you finally did something.
0: I know. I, I I've made a contribution to life.
1: Okay, so we asked the guests. We meaning me. But, you know, I'm a Gemini, so...
0: Oh, so there's, like, totally two, right. totally we.
1: Right. Um, but what's your, two, ri-
0: what's your rising sign? That's the, that's the important I thing.
1: don't know. You don't know? Oh, come Pluto? on. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. What time were you born? <sighs> 7.17 p.m. 7, seven or gonna... 7 p.m., yeah, something <laughs> like that. 7, Sorry, or, okay. seven or 7, 17. yeah. Let me know.
0: Yeah, I will now. let you know. Yeah. I will let you know. Yeah,
1: you're going to chart that for me. I yes. appreciate it. An X did years ago, years and years ago, and it was this big thing. I was like, wow. Yeah. But I forgot the answers. So <laughs> we, we, yes. we do a super nice challenge uh, that is the guest does a super nice challenge and then we issue it to the super nice club. This is getting really confusing. Okay. Something that our members can do, you know, either once or daily or just make it a new habit to make their world, the world a little nicer place. And you got something Mm -hmm. that you can throw out there.
0: I mean, I have a lot, but I'm trying to think of like what is something that's actually feasible for people, people to do. Um, Oh, so this is actually my favorite one. And so, Pre COVID, had this been about six months ago when we'd done this podcast, I would have said high fives to everybody on the trail. Like, so when I run, I give. Pre COVID, I would like give a high five to anybody that I ran past. Most of the time, I would get rejected, but some people caught on, and it was like the best thing ever, and I loved it. So I love giving high fives. So maybe now it's just trail jazz hands. Um, but I <laughs> just from a distance, safe trail. That doesn't distance. look weird at all.
1: But that's no, cool, because yeah.
0: trail elbow bumps are kind of dangerous. Yeah. But honestly, like I feel, especially now, people avoid eye contact. People are afraid of each other. If you've ever passed by somebody and they like turn their back to you because they're afraid of your like COVID fumes. So right. my my challenge to people right now is make eye contact and smile and say hi to people. Everyone like it's free, it's easy. You know, and just acknowledge each other because you never know when that can have such an impact on somebody's day. And like, and I've always tried to do that and I've done that a lot, especially with, um, I learned this, somebody told me this, uh, you know, um, the homeless people who, you know, are asking for help and whatnot. And if you don't feel comfortable giving money, and I rarely give money or anything like that, but I always do look them in the eye and smile and acknowledge them and say hello because I think that we lose so much of our humanity, you know, like the people who are into, who are homeless, like lose so much of their humanity. And that's, that's, that's a conversation for a whole nother podcast about why that is, but um, just to acknowledge, you know, um, and to say, Hey, I see you. And there's so much power in that.
1: There really is. It does make a difference for people that are on the streets. And we've done some work, Super Nice Club has with Homeless Advocacy. And the people out there will say, just, just, Treat me like a human. Yeah. That's what I am. I'll give a sneak peek then, you guys. Um, Super Nice Club, one of our next efforts is we made some placards. They're the size of the voting ones that go in your yard. Uh, And they say uh, simply in big letters, humans live here. And they are to, I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm going to go to the the homeless communities near me and see if they will just put them up in front of their tents as a reminder to police and a reminder. Because I live in an area where people are just... Mean yeah. about the homeless, you know, Brentwood, Los Angeles. People are just mean, yeah, too often. You know, oh, they, those people are encroaching on our space, and they're bringing disease. And why don't the cops kick them out? And just this reminder that these are human beings.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, and so we're going to try that out. Uh, the humans live here signs. Maybe distribute them out, hopefully for free, to super nice club members that want to do the same thing. That's a good challenge. Treat people. Treat other people like human beings. Yeah. Make eye contact. Okay. And then lastly, we wrap it up with a question for me. no, I don't want to wrap it up. I want to real quick give a shout out for a good guy that that uh, we tease each other a lot or used to. I've fallen out of touch with him, but Matt Davis. <laughs> um, Matt Davis, is he still doing the gratitude, uh, the daily gratitude thing? I, you know so what I'm talking his, about?
0: Yeah. So his wife actually like runs the account. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah, now, but yeah. So he was and really- And what's the account? Uh, morning Gratitude on Instagram. Morning Gratitude. Guys, morning gratitude. Instagram, at yeah. Morning
1: Gratitude, at Morning Gratitude. Check it out. Yeah. Amelia's Morning Gratitudes, they were great. And they were a reminder. When you read other people's things that they're, that they're grateful for, yeah. you often go, oh, yeah, I am too. But I haven't mm-hmm. thought about that in a while. And then right. it gives you this moment of gratefulness.
0: Yeah. So That's thanks, great. Matt. Thanks, Matt.
1: Yeah. And he's also a funny guy. And he has a great podcast, which is... Um,
0: Obstacle Racing Media?
1: Obstacle. Yeah. Thank you. I've, I've been out of it for a bit. Obstacle Racing Media, check out his podcast. Okay, so, and lastly, question for me. Do you have a question for me? Any question?
0: Do I have a question for you? Oh yeah, what do you think is the, uh, what, okay, what is the nicest thing that has happened to you in the past seven days?
1: In the past seven days? Oh, that's been filled with moving. Um, boy. That's a really good question. I want to give it a real answer, not just something, you know, pithy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly not my Sacramento Kings, who <laughs> lost pretty much every game. Completely <laughs> suck.
0: Hey, but it's nice, that land it's, now. It's, it's nice that sports are happening, I suppose. <laughs> I know.
1: Okay, so the nicest thing that happened to me in the last seven days, uh, I think it was I went over, my, my oldest son, Justice, just had his four wisdom teeth pulled out. Oh, uh, two okay. pulled and two sort of pulverized, disintegrated, right? Right. And uh, mouth all swollen up and just a bummer. And so I went over to drop off his stuff from my old house. Yeah. So I went over there, and uh, his mom, my ex-wife Naomi, it was just really nice to see the way she is taking care of him. It was just a nice, we had just kind of a, a nice conversation, a nice uh, Yeah time sort of being co-parents which doesn't happen that often if you if you have an ex and you have kids together even if you get along well like we do there's just a few moments where you're like oh yeah we're on the same page in front of our kid even though it's been you know 15 years Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was really nice and her her boyfriend ian also just really cool crew and it was a nice moment of, of just feeling really good about where my son is at who he's with, who his mom is, who his, you know, family at that house is. That was really nice. I remember driving away going, yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good situation and I'm grateful for it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I think there's so much, you know, that there, there can be so much, um, hate and hard feelings and things like that, that go along with relationships and whatnot. So it is nice to like, just be like, yeah. It's it's good. We're good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just a nice moment. We've been good for a while, but just yeah. you don't really recognize that you're good because it's just uh, life goes by, you know. Right. And the the X's just pile up, you know. <laughs> the exes uh, just pile the up. The dozens and the hundreds. <laughs> I don't remember who your mom is. <laughs> um, no, not at all. No, not at all. <laughs> These these small moments. It's the small moments. It's right. the small moments recognizing, you know, that, that you're that you're in a lucky situation and there isn't hate. Right? Right.
0: Yeah. Hate's a strong word. So like I, I have this belief, it's funny, like I I'm friends with all of my exes. Or, well, I don't know if they might be like, no, you're not a million, but I don't, (laughs) (laughs) but like, my theory is always like, Hey, look, you loved the person for a reason. The love never goes away. You know, like I will always love anyone who I was ever in a relationship with. And I feel like people, if they held kind of like held on to that, like feeling, you know, more, Mm -hmm. there would be so much more like amicableness in the future especially if you have kids together especially if you have to co-parent you know it's like hey look i still love you in just a weird way but it's not that way anymore so
1: all right so that's my super nice club challenge i don't usually issue one but i'm gonna issue one right here. again if you're out there and you have someone it's an ex of yours that there's still a bitterness a feeling there yeah just dig down a little bit remember what the reason is that you love that person in the first place and just uh go with that feeling for a minute Absolutely. Unless there was no real reason and you were just after the car or the money or they had a really cute dog. You know, that's okay, too. Just think about the reason. Yeah. <laughs> Amelia, thank you so much for spending your time. Yeah. You are one of the busiest humans on the planet. And, you know, you've given us an hour on the show. It's really appreciated. And good luck with Golden, Colorado. Thank you. And course. And keep an eye out for uh, some Spreckers.
0: Yes. Sounds good.
1: All right. Talk to you later. Bye. So there you have it, a super nice podcast with super nice Amelia Boone. Isn't she great? Brave, strong, smart, and the feels, more feels I think than she lets on. Hey, eating disorders are just so super personal, something that the rest of us can't relate to. So if you know anyone who is battling or has battled with them, let them know about Amelia. Will Her blog is just really well worth a read and can help somebody's life. She's an inspiration. God knows all of us need inspiration every single day. And uh, back to Keith Allen. Back to Keith Allen. It's always back to Keith Allen. Not only did he lap me, I'm sure, at World's Toughest mutter, but he wrote this Super Nice Club theme song. Oh, wait, no, I'm not going to play it yet because I first have to say, if you're not a member of the Super Nice Club, find us on Instagram or Facebook um, or text us. Because we have like a really cool text line, 310-421-0393. Won't try to sell you stuff, no spam, just invites to things like scavenger hunts and gatherings near you. 310-421-0393. Really prefer to communicate with you guys that way. It's personal other than through like Zuckerberg's social media empire. Just a preference, but you know you can still find us on Instagram. It's cool too. Uh, okay, yeah. So so guess what? This is Keith Allen's theme song. Love you. See you next week. Oh wanna be nice? Don't you wanna be one other people? Don't you want to be one of the people in the super nice club?
0: You. So what a deal.